Intro take six. Welcome to episode 25, question mark. <laughs> it might be 23, of podcast. We are talking with Michaela about, <laughs> about Maria and the doll. Depending on how much that was recorded before this ends up in the podcast. We possibly already introduced the subject. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Richard. My pleasure. So, to refresh everyone's memory, yep. Richie, could you please briefly tell me what the doll is? The doll is a doll who is in the hunter's dream. She is normally collapsed, but if you have one or more insight, she comes to life and talks to you. She she levels you up, and she is apparently like based on another doll or like a copy of an existing doll that is in the workshop that the hunter's dream is a copy of. The doll has some kind of sentience. If you get a, a hair clip from the workshop that the hunter's dream is based on. And give it to the doll. She talks as though she's remembering something that um, something to do with that hair clip, and she cries, but she never kind of realizes exactly what it is. And then in the DLC, it was revealed that she is based on German's apprentice, who was called Lady Maria, and she is someone who is distantly related to Annalise. And that sort of ties into the way that the the way the doll dresses and behaves is quite similar to the way that Kanehurst people dress and behave and look. She's very tall, she's very pale. The uh clothing she's wearing is quite close to what it looks like a like a civilian version of what the Kanehurst knights wear. And it never really gets super specific, but it's implied that Maria and the doll somehow linked that the doll was built as a kind of replacement for or tribute to Maria, and if you defeat Maria in The Hunter's Nightmare and she passes on and you talk to the doll, the doll talks about feeling like she's been liberated from something that was holding her down. And that's really all we know about Maria and the doll. Or do we? Dun dun dun. Okay, um, so Michaela, like, let me ask you, who do you think built the doll? That's a really good question, because the answer to that is unclear. It could have been German, because her set states that her, that she was made with care, and a certain love. And German clearly had that, although it was a very unhealthy love. That was called media. <laughs> so it could have been German, or German could have commissioned somebody else, like a master doll maker, to make the doll in Maria's image. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about the master doll maker. Mm. I'm thinking this is spoopy Victorian times, so of course there would yeah. have been a master doll maker. You guys, who was the master doll maker? Me. No, this is real lore, Richie. Okay. <laughs> Take notes, bro. So, why did he build Maria? Or why did German have someone build Maria? Well, he did that because 
of the curious mania he had for her. Um, I think that it would take some form of an obsessive love in order to make a strange doll based on the person that you loved. But I have a big theory on this. What is it? Well, he made the doll in Maria's physical image. She's very tall, Mm -hmm. same hair, um, same palette, complexion, eye color, etc. However, um, I think that he, even though he knew Maria very well in that he taught her personally, he made her in the image that he had in his head of who Maria was and not who she really was. So throughout history, you get so many instances of people thinking that women are a certain way and women aren't able to express themselves or actually make it clear that they are in fact a different way. Mm -hmm. But I think that it was definitely made in Gehrman's image of her. And that's why in the nightmare, when she acts in a sort of robotic, uh, in a robotic way, in a caring way, it's only showing the caring side of Maria and it doesn't show any other side. So I think in a way that Gehrman is disturbed by his, by the fact that he created this thing that really isn't her, that is only a small caricature of who Maria was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing German and Maria didn't actually have a relationship. It was more of a one-sided stalkery thing. Her set says that she didn't fathom his curious mania. Mm -hmm. So judging by the evidence in game, I do not think that they had a relationship. However, I think that they must've had some tender good times when they were training some good times together, but I don't think that that relationship was romantic whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Do you think German ever tried to like get into Maria's good graces by being like, Hey, guess what? I made a giant doll of you. That's how much I like you. That's why she threw the Rakuyo in the well. Yeah. She's like, I'm done. <laughs> Screw this. Can't stomach any of this. Okay, bye. <laughs> no, I don't think that... I think that he made the doll of her posthumously. Yeah. What does that mean? You guys are using fancy words <laughs> uh, right After now. she passed away. Okay. Thank you. Because it's in the workshop and there's the grave, like, in the workshop and in the dream. That's implied... Do you think it's Maria's grave? Because it's sort of... Odd. I think that the grave near the workshop is her grave. And yeah, it even yeah. has flowers on it. And I don't know, I don't have it in front of me, and what looks like an M between the flowers, so I feel like that should be her grave, even though it's never made clear in the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it says that Marie is distantly related to the queen. Yes. How distantly? That's a really good question because that's another thing that's not clarified. I think that she, this is another theory I have, but I think that she was somewhat of even like a cousin, second cousin, or like niece, nephew, but something a little bit removed. And I did a lot of research on old castles and old grand households and how they worked. And the members of nobility, a lot of the time, the big branches of nobility also lived in the castle or lived close enough to the castle that they came to visit often. So I think that either she had an upbringing there or visited there during the summers, something like that. Um, I think she was distant enough to be able to reject the blood arts without any issue. However, mm-hmm. she had to have had enough contact with Kanehurst for them to make a full adult set of clothing for her 
as a grown woman. And in fact, that clothing would have been worn, you know, maybe after a couple of hunts. So they may have even had to refashion or fashion multiple pairs. So I think that she did maintain somewhat of a relationship with Kanehurst, at least up to adulthood. Uh-huh. And the the Rakuyo is all, like it's not from Kanehurst, but it says it's from the same place that Kanehurst got their Chicago from. Yes. Where, wherever that is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unknown foreign land. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and why didn't she like to use uh, the blood arts? That's something that's also never made clear. She just, um, oh my goodness, I can look up the exact wording, but she rejected the blood arts. It says like she frowned upon blood blades. I yes. Think. Yeah. Yeah. Richard got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But why? She's like, ew, gross. <laughs> Even though, honestly, as a, as a woman, <laughs> as a woman, you're never like, ew, gross blood, because blood is such a normal thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Lady Marie was fond of this aspect of the Rakuyo as she frowned upon blood blades, being, uh, despite being a distant relative of the queen. Mm. Do you think she was born in Kinehurst and then moved later in life? Possibly. I think that... Either she was raised there because so much of her identity pertains to Kanehurst. Uh, a lot of people think that because she frowned upon Bloodblades that she just completely rejected Kanehurst, which I kind of disagree with. Because in her name, Lady Maria, for instance, Lady, mm. especially when you study old Victorian times and earlier, Lady was a title. Lady wasn't something yeah. that mm-hmm. you just called somebody. It was. It was. It meant that you were in the noble class. And I think that her being called Lady Maria and everyone knowing as Lady Maria was just her saying, this is my identity, this is who I am, and don't you forget it. Yeah, she's like, I'm related to the queen, don't you forget that. hmm <laughs> Okay, this is really cool. And so how did she become a hunter exactly? I'm thinking of all the, like, the fan comics and stuff in my head. I'm yeah, like, oh, that's yeah. not canon. That's not canon. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's possible that she was some sort of a hunter or whatever in Kinehurst. Yeah, there's this weird Kanehurst bergenworth Yarnum connection that seems like weirdly out of sequence. Because the the way it seems to be structured as we understand it is that Bergenworth and Kanehurst don't have anything to do with each other. And then the Healing Church are the ones that go to, or at least Lawrence prior to... Uh, founding the Healing Church goes to Kanehurst, but then you have Maria presumably being at the Fishing Hamlet Massacre because that's where she throws the Rakuyo away, and presumably she's the one that leaves the Lumen Flower on the grave above cause as like a sort of penance thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but like it does say she was a distant relative, so it's possible that she was just sort of wandering Yarnum or something, and then she because the the hunters themselves. It's never really pinned down what they are. If it's just like, are they a group of mercenaries or is it just like German trains people or are they like Ronin? It it doesn't specify. Yeah, it's really strange. The connection is loose, but German often refers to Willem as Master Willem. So I feel that there might have been another branch of Bergenworth. Like they were part of Bergenworth. They branched off Mm -hmm. and just became more of the, the strong arm of Bergenworth. Yeah. The, the other the thing that like we had been going off of because it it just doesn't say is like 
Was it that when Bergenworth started going into the Chalice Dungeons, they needed people to protect them? So they kind of hired or like employed the hunters on that on that basis, like uh, like on contract or something, and they worked together because of that. Because the Bergenworth people were all scholars, and the Chalice Dungeons are obviously full of like werewolves and monsters and things. True, and yeah. Sumerians who are still there, and yeah, they aggro when they see you, but otherwise they're just droning on and uh, continuing to mine the old labyrinth. Yeah. So they're just minding their own business, basically. And then you come and mess their shit up. How yeah. dare you? <laughs> yes, no wonder Yarnum is, is angry at us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Maria had her young life, whatever it was, and then she joined the hunters. And so... So now I wonder... Well, we don't know how old Maria is, though. Because if no, she's a relative of Annalise, she could be like 400. Like, we don't... Because she's like, yeah, she could be immortal. I mean, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, what I'm trying to say is that, like, she had her life before the Hunters, right? Yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah. And then she joins the Hunters. And then she she goes with the Hunters and they massacre the Fishing Hamlet. It looks like it, yeah. Something like that. And I'm just wondering, at what point does the whole... Kinhurst raid happens. That has to happen afterwards because it's it's the church that attacked Kinhurst, and the church don't exist until after the Hamlet. And I think that because okay. there are church hunters, I think that at one time the church was either okay or correlating with Kinhurst just fine on some sort of a neutral way, but they they had mm-hmm. to have accepted Maria as a Kinhurst descendant, um, working yeah. for their their research hall as a caretaker. So they yeah. had to yeah. at least been on an okay basis with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, okay, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about Maria and the fishing hamlet. Okay. Cool. This is going to be like Maria exposed. What oh my. <laughs> <laughs> I like this episode already. <laughs> so what happened in the fishing hamlet? What we Maria specifically, or just the whole thing? Like, the whole situation. Well, as as much as we can make sense of it, what happens is that at some point after Bergenworth was screwing around in the Chalice Dungeons, they realized that, like, they needed to actually find, like, start looking at the Great Ones themselves, because they were finding left-behind bits of the Great Ones. They were finding these, like, slugs and statues and things, but no actual Great Ones. So they were like, okay, we have to find an actual Great One. And they... It's not clear exactly how, but they find out about the this fishing hamlet where they... It looks like um the, the people there, like, worshipped Koz as, like, their guardian deity, and Koz was out in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what... What Willem is specifically interested in is, like, the physiology of the Great Ones. He's interested in, like, what makes them different to us and what makes the kin of the Great Ones different to humans. So they go there and they... Firstly, they kill the people there to look inside their skulls to see if their brains are developing differently to the a normal human brain. And they also kill Cos and they gut her and they pull the orphan out. And that ends up being, like, the big prize, because, oh, we finally have a... They know it. I think they they seem to know at this point 
that finding the cord that connects the mother and the child together is going to be necessary in Willem's research. So the big prize from the Hamlet is the cord, which is ripped out of the of the orphan. It's um one of the things that's actually come up recently is that throughout the fishing Hamlet, there's this like chanting in the background, or it's like implied that there's all these. Uh, it sounds like just groups of women. They're called the baneful chanters in these mm-hmm. houses, and they're placing, they're chanting, and the the chant is placing a curse on everyone. And you can, it is audible in English, but it's all layered, and you can't hear it properly. Uh, in game, but what's happened is that now that we're able to crack the game open, we're able to get all those lines separately, so we can oh. finally hear like actually what they're saying. So the. The key thing they say, which we knew already because it was one of the few lines you could hear properly, is they say, mother is dead, her baby is taken. So that's that's Bergenworth and the hunters killing Cos, and then what happens is they take the orphan back to Bergenworth. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, like, it's not stated, but it's, like, implied. Um, it's basically just said through, like, association that the cord that ascends Rom and the cord that Impostia Sefka has, that's from the Orphan of Cot. Now, do you think they took the orphan or just the cord and left the orphan? I get the sense that they desecrated Cos's corpse, maybe took some of the parasites and all that, took the cord, but left the orphan. But I mean, there's there's not a lot of evidence of that, but I feel like yeah, him I... being left behind is what, it, and him answering all the chants is what causes the nightmare to begin with. Well, that, it's like... I'm pretty sure they take the orphan, but the orphan, because it's like children of great ones always die. So they take the yeah. orphan and the orphan's like basically dead as they're taken. Mm-hmm. They, they dissect it at Bergenworth and remove the cord. That's the impression I get. I don't really True. know. True. And then it, the, that does tie in with their chance saying, you know, the, ty- the child taken. Yeah, taken. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the other thing that they say that we didn't know before is they say something like, um, because uh, we beckoned, now cause is no more, so forgive us. The idea being that, like, it looks like they, maybe Bergenworth actually tricked them or lied to them and said, like, we need you to beckon your god to us, rather than Bergenworth just showing up and massacring them to begin with. Possibly. Huh. Yeah, that's yeah. Really interesting. That's yeah, solid. It, yeah, they're saying, like, you know, forgive us because we beckoned you and now you're gone. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. I didn't know about that bit of the, the cut content. I yeah, was we didn't, still no one knew on... about it because it's, yeah, it's inaudible, but we've only just got it. That's awesome. Yeah, I was still on yeah. Curse the Fiends, their children too. So I'm like, yeah, that's, that's like the basis of <laughs> that's my That's like here. all we had, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it looks like Maria is involved in that because when you go to the, it's confusing because the Hamlet you go to is like a weird nightmare memory Hamlet. Yes. So you find in the well, you find Maria's Rapio. And it says on the description that, like, um, she couldn't stomach its presence, so she cast it into the well. And you also find there's a, two winter lanterns by there that are based on the doll, who is based yep. on Maria. Yeah. And then you find uh, wait, there's, like, a cliff where you can see Cos's body. And then on that cliff, like facing the body, there is a tombstone with a lumen flower on it. So it looks like because Marie is overseeing the lumen flower gardens that she went back there and she like she was aware of what she'd done. And that was sort of her attempt at penance is that she like leaves this flower on Cos's grave. 
Definitely. Uh, I think that she was somehow either involved directly or she witnessed the the treachery there. So it could have been one of the two. I think that there were more people than just, say, Garamond and Maria. Garamond's pretty much confirmed because of the trailer, him walking through the fishing hamlet. Um, and her, because of her her in, intense sense of guilt for what happened, but because the Baneful Chanter says Bergenworth specifically, I think that it yeah. was a group of hunters sent from Bergenworth, not just those two. Yeah, and it's it's um the curse is placed upon like everyone associated with Bergenworth and the hunters, so that carries on to Yarnum itself. Absolutely. Everyone who is in contact with this thing is cursed by it. I even think that Lawrence and Ludwig are involved, just because they're such big bosses of the old hunters. I was talking yeah. to my friend Michael, who I often stream with about this, and I I was racking my brain wondering why Maria seemed to be the only one who felt genuine guilt for this. And then, of course, Garman can't sleep at night, but I don't think that yeah. it would have bothered him. But he said... If, you know, if Lawrence and Ludwig were involved, maybe they don't feel guilt, but at the same time, they're living with the consequences. Their consciousness mm. being stuck in the nightmare, not as their human selves, as Lawrence wants to be back to, but rather as monsters. Yeah. Well, German, German can't sleep, and it's implied that it's like the orphan is actually tormenting him in his sleep. Yes. Because when, when you meet the orphan, there's that crying, and it's, it's a recording of German's crying. And then mm-hmm. once you defeat the orphan, if you go... This is, it's weird because, like, in order to do this, you have to trigger the DLC earlier than most people do it because the doll's dialogue sort of overrides it. But uh, if you defeat the orphan, go back and talk to the doll. As long as it's not progressed too far, she specifically says, like, German is finally sleeping soundly for the first time. So you mentioned the winter lanterns. What are they? Dead silence. I said, what the F are the Winter Lanterns? I need to know. (laughs) The confusing thing, right, is that the Winter Lanterns are based on the doll. They're not based on Maria. Right. Yeah, I don't know how that came about unless, say, Mikolash had some kind of contact with the Hunter's Workshop, saw the doll, and it became ingrained in his consciousness, perhaps. Because he is the host of his own nightmare, but at the same time, he beckons to Koss, which means that he was aware of the fishing the Hamlet, Hamlet yeah. and aware of Koss. Mikolash is probably there. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Mikolash exposed. Yeah. No, no <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he has nothing but a cage on his head and a smile. <laughs> a crazy one. Do you think Mikolash's boss fight would have been more effective in transmitting his, like, uh, personality if it was literally just him in a cage in the nude running around <laughs> and you'd be like what the I would have never finished the game first of all <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like you have your dream like, and your I'm, nightmare I'm out bye I'm they <laughs> kind of do that with Logan in Dark Souls oh yeah you're right because when he goes crazy in seats archives he's running around in his underwear with this the giant hat on <laughs> Yes, but that's, oh that's, the yeah. that's funny. Logan doesn't want to be seen. That's why he wears the big hat. He doesn't want people to see his yeah. face and know his identity. But at the same time, he's ironically stripped down. But at the same time, you still can't quite see his face. But he's still yeah. quite exposed. Hmm. Do you think we just found a connection between Logan and Mikolash? 
Just like there's a connection between Ludwig killing Maria. <laughs> oh, burn. <laughs> I think Logan and Nicolas are like supposed to be the same kind of character type, almost. With a big hat and... Yeah, uh, they're both like people who go ideas. crazy in libraries. They have giant hats. <laughs> Can definitely relate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Michaela, do you know that all hats look good on me because I have a flat head? Oh my god, that's amazing. You should try on every hat yeah. and then take selfies every time. Start your own Instagram. I should. Sinclair hats. We'll do it in a podcast format. Okay. I will just describe the hats, you know? <laughs> oh my god. You just like you describe the like the feeling on the fingers. Oh man, that would be a strange podcast. I regret it. Support. This is the thing. Every time you suggest a podcast to her as a joke, it ends up being made. Because like I've just spent the last two days editing one that came out of something I said about her boyfriend liking anime. See, well, yeah. that means that Sinclair has the follow-through—that someone has an idea and she follows through with it. I'm gonna put that on my CV because after doing a podcast with Rich, I'm like, I definitely have to take attention to detail off because I had no idea what was going on in the lore. <laughs> but I can replace that with follow-through. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you do have the follow-through, and you know, respect to people's time. Yeah. Res- oh, that's another good one. <laughs> <laughs> I died laughing at that at that one. I was like, what is this? Oh my god! McKinley just reminded me that's an actual podcast. There's more to it. Oh my god! I can't wait. Oh my I'm god! So <laughs> I should post that. You should. <laughs> it's one of those that Richie was like, please don't post it. Please make sure it never <laughs> sees the light of day. Oh my god, I can't wait for it to see the light of day. <laughs> <sighs> Winter lanterns, what are they? How do they work? How do they work? That's a they very good question. They work off imagination, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Which is basically exactly how they work. They work off, I think they work off of consciousness the way that everything yeah. in the nightmares work off of consciousness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they like run up to you, they give you a hug. So do, do you think them killing you is like unintentional? It's just like, I'm sorry, I have like a giant frenzy brain. I just want to hug you. I, I think like. Firstly, I don't think this is, like, intentional. I think they had a different... The Winter Lanterns are, like, a relic of some deleted concept. But, like, I think the way that you can make sense of them is to say that it's a combination of all the things Maria feels bad about. Mm. So it's, like, the doll, firstly. It's the giant swollen heads from the research hall in the form of the huge brain. And it's the the greed for blood because she frowns upon blood arts. Oh. I even think culturally, like when you when you listen to Maria, I mean Annalise has a British accent, but Maria has a clear, like Slavic type of accent. Yeah. Um when you look at Slavic fashion for young women, they often wear big flowered headdresses that are round. And that's what reminds me yeah. of the head of the Winter Lanterns with these big Ukrainian flower headdresses for young women. But just a super nightmare version of it. Fun fact, that's exactly what Richie and I wear every podcast. It's true, it helps the it helps the voice echo. <laughs> but yeah, I was saying that like the Winter Lantern itself it's named after a flower because its head looks like a flower. That's all. What flower looks like that, Richie? A winter lantern is a kind of flower. No, what flower looks like a brain? No, the winter lantern itself, when it's dry, it looks like 
it's like this lattice sort of effect. It, it does look a bit like the Winterland head. Well, I will Google that right now. It's I'm doing a, that right um, now as well. Okay. Yeah. It's H O Z U K I. Pozukai. Pozukai. It's a. No, flower. I Googled Winter Lantern and yeah, I'm getting. A whole lot of Bloodborne oh, yeah. images. Yeah. Oh my god. Is that a Winter Lantern? I can't see. I'm <laughs> pointing at it. Oh, that oh, one. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I just. Uh... Wait, you guys. You guys, is this a Winter Lantern? Yeah. Yeah, they they dry out and they the lattice is more um more overt wait, when it dries out. Wait. 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 <laughs> wait. Yeah. Oh, that's not what I have cuz I have a thing uh, in my hand. Like cuz my boyfriend my boyfriend's mom, she lives in the woods and she has a garden. Yeah. And she gives us like berries and stuff, and I have one that looks like it, but I don't think it's the one inside. There's a there's a berry, and I eat them. Yeah, the winterland and the flower that we're talking about, like that, does have a little berry inside it as well. So it's like is it orange? Like it's like, like it's orange, like this yellow? red kind of center with this lattice growing around it. So it does look like like there's a head with a giant brain around it. But the important thing is, I think I have a bunch of Canadian winter lanterns that I'm eating right now. That is so relevant. It's very relevant. I got chills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's making me question everything. <laughs> so I guess we covered the winter lanterns. Did we? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <Did> we? <laughs> um, I'm going to say yeah. Yeah, because we well, talked about yeah. it being things Maria fears and we the, talked about the weird the thing headgear. is that you find them in Mensis as well. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how you reconcile that with Maria. That's why I think that Mikolash must have seen the doll. Yeah, yeah. Because he's the host of the nightmare, and I think that he, mm-hmm. in essence, created it by him and Mensis making contact with the brain, their their brains being stillbirthed. But I think that his consciousness, he appealed to the god, the god was sympathetic and answered, bingo, bango, you got a nightmare with yeah. dolls. <laughs> and he's got his own dolls in the boss fight. He's got those, like, marionettes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Bir- birds with dog heads and dogs with birds. Yeah. yeah. Richie, you mentioned that the doll might represent, like, the things that Maria fears. But what if the doll is actually Mikolash's trauma? Because what if one day German is like, hey, Mikolash, come here, I got something to show you. It's really cool. German <laughs> <laughs> so shows him, like, this life-size version of Maria dressed in, like, completely different clothes. And then Mikolash is like, what? And gets completely traumatized? That's what causes the stillbirth of his brain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I think we solved it. Good. Finally. We got it. That's it's done. <laughs> yeah. Put that in the books. <laughs> Move over, Miyazaki. We got this. <laughs> and he's just laughing all the way to the bank. He's like, I didn't intend any of this. Yeah. <laughs> That's like my secret fear as like a lore person. I'm like, he just like I was I was taking a, an evening walk and I was talking about uh, Bloodborne with one of my friends who he loves lore but he hasn't played Bloodborne at all so he has some of the know-how but none of the experience so I'm like I was like screaming during a nature walk with other people walking around and I'm like what if Miyazaki <laughs> never intended any of these connections to be made and what if we're just thinking of all these things and he's just laughing with his dollars in his hands what if-? and he goes calm <laughs> down <laughs> yeah I think that's reality <laughs> <laughs> existential crisis, Michaela. I know, God. 
But I know the only true connection we can all agree on is the horsefish. Yeah. Yeah. The horsefish. Horsefish? The horsefish is a rune that only Sinclair knows about. Ah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you have to make contact with her perfectly flat head for a certain amount of time. It's like you make contact with my flat head and I give you sex. <laughs> Put it on the hat. <laughs> okay. So the fishing hamlet thing happens and Marie is like, I don't know how I feel about that whole that whole situation. And around that time is when Lawrence and uh, Willem sort of have a falling out and Lawrence leaves. Yes? No? Yeah. Um, Maybe? Yeah, that seems to be it. Something like that. Well, and so... <clears throat> I, I think, yeah, it has to come in that order, I think, because... Um, uh, hmm. Oh my god, Rich, you're being such a noob right now. <laughs> No, hang on. I had it for a second. It's it's like it's almost midnight. Um. Oh no! Rich's carriage what? is gonna turn into a pumpkin. Cool pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> Just in time for Halloween. Yay! I actually have on my desk like a Chinese food container full of tiny plastic pumpkins. <gasps> That's awesome. Delete your account. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, after the fishing hamlet thing and blah 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 blah, at some point, Lawrence goes to Willem. I'm gonna do my own thing. Bye. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense because he, uh, Lawrence was he, was he the first church hunter? Or was that Ludwig? The way it's um set up is like Lawrence. It, it Lawrence takes German. To Yarnum, like moves German's hunters to Yarnum, mm-hmm. and um, I think the implication is maybe German came from Yarnum because that's where the workshop is. But whatever. <laughs> and the um, German's hunters keep the beasts under control initially, but then when Lawrence and other clerics start transforming, they turn into different kinds of beasts. Yeah, and the the like beast plague gets worse. So the the German hunters are replaced by Ludwig's hunters who are more militaristic and they're more like they're designed to deal with big beasts. So they use like, so Ludwig's holy blade is this like massive sword as opposed to like the sword cleaver because it's designed to deal with things like a cleric beast. That's even in the description of the holy blade. Yeah. 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 And so at what point does Lawrence go to Maria like, Hey, Bergenworth is like old news. Come with us to the healing church. I think she makes that decision on her own. Yeah. Because I think after what happened in the fishing hamlet, she just, she saw the reality and, and the grotesque uh, treachery of what it could potentially be like to be a hunter. It's not for maybe the noble reasons why she joined in the first place to eradicate beasts. She realized, oh, we're doing, we're, we're killing people here. Even if they're mm-hmm. fish people, they're people. So I think that's when she was like, you know, maybe I can contribute to some kind of good cause. And I think the research hall was something that had been established before she made it. Um, And she, I don't think that she was doing any of the research because there's no evidence of that. I think that she was definitely there as a caretaker and as somebody to soothe the both physical and mental pain of the patients. She's similar to Jura in a lot of ways. Yeah. But she doesn't fuck you up with a gatling gun. (laughs) She fucks you up in other ways. Great ways. Beautiful yeah. ways. Just fuck me up. <laughs> um, 
So do you think that in her job as like a research hall, I guess, um, oh no, wait. Okay, this is going to be good. In her job as a research assistant. Oh, yep. that's because that's yep. also my job. Ooh, yeah. So do you think her pay and benefits were better than when she was a hunter? I think that she already had great pay and benefits as a noble of Canehurst, so it doesn't even matter. Okay. Yeah. So maybe this was like her volunteer work. I think it was. I think she did it because yeah. she felt so horrible and she had enough kindness in her heart to go and turn a new leaf and do some good with her life, what was left with it. But I don't think that I don't think that she lasted too too long because she did pass away. Um I still think that it was suicide too. Because of just mm -hmm. everything yeah. eating away at her. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay. So she's working in the research hall or volunteering there. And then at some point, um, the healing church and the executioners raid Kindhurst? I don't know if she was alive at the time. Okay, She could have been, but it doesn't necessarily have to be so. Okay, so, like, there's no clear timeline in terms of whether it happened while she was alive? Well, it's, like, there's no clear timeline, but I think if you, like, squint at it, the, <laughs> the thing they're going for is, like, it's weird, because I think what they're going for is the church attack on Kanehurst happened, like, within living memory. It happened within, like, 10 or 20 years ago. But it's also described as though it was this, like, really, really long time ago. And I think the confusing part is the way that they bring the executioners into it. Yeah. Because the executioners, like, the way that they're, like, from a faraway land, and they're led by a Thumerian, presumably, guy. So it's, like, that makes it seem like it was a really long time ago. But if you just, like, this is what I've been doing because I can't make sense of it otherwise. If you just, like, uh, find, replace executioners with, like, church military then it makes the whole thing makes significantly more sense. Yeah, that's and, what I think. I'm still on the boat yeah. of these are hired executioners by the church. Yeah, cuz Annalise says like I'm the sworn enemy of the church. Yes. But she doesn't she doesn't give you a reason. But like it the what I think they're getting at is that Lawrence and Lawrence is the one that says scholar of Bergenworth brought old blood to Canehurst. I think they mean that Lawrence because he was a scholar of Bergenworth brought blood to Canehurst, that let Annalise conceive a child, and then Lawrence and the church attack Canehurst and steal the child from him. Yeah, that and was that's in the... the source of the cord in the workshop, yeah. Yeah, before they passed it out. And... It, yeah, it's, it's like this completely, like, this is the thing we've talked about, stuff being deleted, where, like, okay, that was technically removed, but it wasn't really removed because it connected to a dozen other things. And those connections are still there. There's just this, like, absence at the center of it. And it was in the game for a bit, as far as I'm aware. It, it, yeah. yeah, it's it's it was in the game if you install it from... If you install, like, the original release from disc and then don't patch it. Because it had a day one patch, is the thing. Mm -hmm. So the only way you would have seen it is if you played the game without the patch. So yeah, you just... If you had installed offline, yeah. I consider that canon then, because it, it was cut after release. Because, so they had some intention of putting it in, and then for one reason or another, they removed it. Hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I wanted to mention with Kanehurst, too, I think that it's pretty obvious when she says, I'm the enemy of the church. 
When before I came to Kanehurst, I knew about it, and I was so excited to get there because it has all the you know the Bram Stoker feelings of my life. Yeah, but <laughs> I got this impression, and I will never forget my first gut feeling as soon as I walked into the door. And I was thinking that it was this grand dark castle, which it is, of course, but the overwhelming sensation that comes upon you when you enter is the weeping of these women. So it's obvious that this was not an attack that they were prepared for. This was a tragedy. And if you walk in the walls, look at um, the rooms, they were, they had their table set for dinner. So this is not something. Yeah, they were having dinner. Yeah. This is not expected. And it was, it was a tragedy. So when you go to Annalise and she says, I'm the enemy of the church. With or without the cord, there's a good reason for that. Yeah, and you can see that, like, the, the weeping women, they're all bound and blindfolded. And some of them, are they're holding their severed head in their hands, so it looks a lot like they were executed. They weren't... It wasn't just, like, they, they came in and killed everyone. They would have actually, like, lined them up and guillotined them. Yeah, that's what makes yeah. me really yeah. sick about the whole sack of Kanehurst, just the fact that it... You yeah. know, there are definite... Um, there are definitely corpses of knights who seem to put up a fight, but they... But there are more of the the ghosts and the presences of these women who had their throats slit throughout the castle. So that's the the tragedy of Kanehurst. I'm still surprised that Annalise doesn't mention the executioners. She's like, I'm the sworn enemy of the church. Yeah, I agree with that. But you know executioners killed your entire people. She's like, who? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's like Lord Voldemort, like those who may not be named. Just don't mention them. Yeah, exactly. She's like, I'm not even going to acknowledge them. Fuck those guys. <laughs> I don't know her. Annalise is throwing shade. Yeah, exactly. You know? She's like, I don't know her. Those executioners. Nope. Don't know who's sitting right outside my office right now. Don't know her. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> let me ask you. So, you know, at some point, Lawrence realized that if you give, you know, somebody from Kindhurst, like, aka Queen Annalise, some, like, corrupted blood or something, she's going to bear a child. Yeah. yeah. So do you think he ever had an awkward conversation with Maria being like, hey, so you're from Kindhurst. I need a favor. She would punch him in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one of the more confusing things about Maria, that like they add her and then she raises a bunch of weird, awkward questions. And that's kind of one of them that like, okay, you spent ages looking for Fumerian women, but you kind of had one like in the office the whole time. He was scared. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there was sort of a, an intimidation there. There's no clear explanation for that. And it could be just something that yeah. Izaki didn't think about. But I just think he was scared. Well, yeah. The, I think like what we sort of settled on is that it seems a lot like when that was conceptualized, German's Apprentice and the woman the doll was based on were two different characters. And then Maria is an attempt to sort of dovetail those two loose ends into something by saying the doll is based on the woman who was German's apprentice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like the author's process. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, she she raises a lot of weird, awkward questions and she's not She's not alluded to, really, until the DLC comes out. So Yeah, in the DLC, she's absolutely yeah. everywhere. I feel like she's, like, the yeah, central yeah. point of that DLC. Hence why she's on the cover. Yeah, yeah. So, when we encounter Maria for the first time, we find her, like, uh, in a chair, and she appears mm-hmm. to be dead? Having been killed by Ludwig, yes. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> 
and Ludwig standing in the corner of the room being like, hey. No, we killed Ludwig on the way up there because he was escaping. Yeah, that giant hulking mass got through the living failures (laughs) and got squeezed into that small door somehow. (laughs) Two heads and all. He was like, he called his friend Yorm and he was like, Yorm, how did you squeeze into your door? (laughs) Oh, I need to pause this and just say, Richard, your description of Yorm as like a weird Miyazaki fan fiction was like the light of my life and it was so hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. No, yeah, that it was, was like, so funny the way you put it. Oh I was God. like, I've yeah. been trying to figure this out for ages. I'm like, I'm trying to make sense of it all. And you're just like, eh, it doesn't make sense. So I'm like, okay, thank God. I, I'm and, okay. And all, <laughs> all the cut content has vindicated me. <laughs> yeah. So to all the haters that gave Rich a crap. <laughs> to everyone who right said Pontiff Sullivan was a brilliant character they planned from the beginning. He wasn't. There was we no invent- They're like, we, we need someone to tie him, like- this all in. Let's yeah, we, we need... None of this fits together. Just invent some guy. We've got, like, a month. I mean, at so the same like, time, okay. that's, that's still valid, and I feel like any author yeah. would go through that same process. There yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that happen- it happens all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It, ha- it happens all the time, but it's like... It does happen. It's not like, oh, everything was planned out, and everything went exactly as planned from the big like no <laughs> that was like me in that frenzied phone call in a nature walk being like what if they didn't plan any of this <laughs> <laughs> so we find her in the chair mm-hmm. what happened to her i think that simon wasn't able to get to her personally like for example the whole mechanic with ludwig like, he, he stokes your imagination and says, oh, are you interested in nightmares? And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm interested in nightmares. And he's like, well, <laughs> then, don't want to go any further now, do you? And you're like, I'll show you. <laughs> so I think that's him encouraging you to go forward in ways that he might not have been able to. So I think that mm-hmm. it, that yeah. part was cut for a reason. <laughs> yeah, he, he like... um. He basically follows in your footsteps. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, well, why yeah. don't you go up there and kill Maria? I can't freaking do it. Like, you see these big heads <laughs> yeah. over here? Yeah. So I think that that's kind of what, after cutting, yeah. that's kind of like, okay. And then I think that they had it to add to the mystery, especially that, the you know, the blood dripping from her was fresh. And in fact, during the battle, yeah. she has a seppuku scene. So I really think that that's kind of a mirror yeah. of how she actually yeah. might have committed suicide. Yeah. But that's my thing. And there's the the, the <laughs> photograph next to yeah. her. The smashed photograph, the glass of yeah. wine or blood or whatever it is, like it yeah. means that she succumbed to some sort of weakness inside of her. It's all metaphorical of that. And I just I do I take the cut content and I'm, I see it and I acknowledge <laughs> it, but at the same time I'm like, hmm, that yeah. ignores everything else that's iconic about this scene. Yeah, it, it <laughs> works better without Absolutely. It. Yeah. So do you think she she committed suicide and then got buried at the workshop and then she's in the nightmare in the hall. Yes. Like on the place that she died. 100% yeah, yeah. because that happened with Mikolash. He seemed to have been yeah. dead and mummified during some kind of meditation or lecture or something happened otherwise. Yeah. And with her, yeah. I think yeah. that she probably committed suicide after just everything she had seen and, and possibly done. She couldn't handle it anymore. And you know that that happened but her because Mm -hmm. she was once a blood drunk hunter she got sucked into the nightmare in her consciousness so it's unknown as to how you know whether she's still doing her daily thing or whether she's stuck in that sort of half animated state because they did take out her whole 
you know, sister Frida-esque dialogue, which I'm I'm kind of happy yeah. about because it just oh, it, yeah. that takes all the oomph <laughs> out of that scene. Yeah. Like, take this as your parting prize. I am just a doll again. Yeah. And also, the, the way that it's all triggered, I think, would have been confusing if you just played the game. Yeah, they, they probably created it and they're like, no. Yeah. yeah. In order for it to work, you would have had to, like, leave and come back. You can, like, force the area to reload. So it's kind of like Adeline, where it's confusing. Yeah, I think they wanted the DLC to be done in, like, you could just do it from one end to the next in one sitting. Yeah, it's very it's very linear. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that was a good decision on their end. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I completely agree. That's the cut content I so agree with because it added so much more mystery to the whole thing. Like, remember the first time you walk in and you're like, "Oh my god, that is the person on the cover." Yeah. Okay, let's see. <laughs> and then you come closer, <laughs> and then you're like, "Are you dead? Are you okay?" And then they grab your hand, and you're like, "Wait, what?" I just had a boss fight. This can't be a boss fight. Yeah, and with me, I'm just like, oh god, I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad that they didn't have a whole dialogue where it would have been like, you talk to her for 15 hours and you're like, oh, you're Frida. Okay, thanks. Bye. Yeah, because Frida, I don't think, had the impact. <laughs> like, Frida was just, like, annoying. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, Frida's this yeah. nasty old crone who wants you to get the hell out of her painted world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, get out of my lawn, kid! Yeah, get off my lawn! <laughs> okay. It's like, okay, sister. <laughs> like, I want to love you, Frida, but it just... Uh, people yeah. like Frida is better. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other difference is, like, with Maria, there's an obvious mystery, which is the huge astral clock that you know must lead somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Whereas with Frida, you just sort of go there. And it's done. Because there's an area. Yeah, it's just like... <laughs> she's like leave and it's like like you won't find anything here and it's like but there's nothing yeah it's like yeah i am going to leave because i want to continue this dlc it's just like a room full of paintings of yourself Frida. <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you just if you bother a bunch of crow people <laughs> yeah. and then you can just like find a, a lever that makes a statue turn around yeah and then the reveal is that there's a giant flagellating shrek crow <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Maria killed herself because she felt like guilt over what has been done. Um, I guess to the people of the fishing hamlet type deal. That's what I believe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I guess and the orphan and everything. Yeah, and the orphan. Yeah. yeah, the orphan may have been tormenting her as well. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, true. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the way that she's connected to the doll? Yeah. All right. It's supposed to be what the podcast is about. <laughs> Richard, stop sabotaging our topic and let's talk about the way Marie is connected to the doll. Oh, am I supposed to talk now? <laughs> I think we went over at the beginning where, where, where German fashioned her, like after she had passed... I think that German, you know, being, you know, having that curious mania, which really, to me, in, inside of my head, translates as a an extreme and unhealthy love for her. Yeah, yeah. it's not, it's not good. It, yeah. it broke yeah. him so badly that he needed her in any possible way in his life. So he fashioned a doll based on what he thought of as Maria's characteristics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the long and short of it. 
But what I was specifically mean, though, is like when you defeat Maria, the doll reacts to it and she's like, something has been lifted off me. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. interesting. I don't know if there was some sort of arcane enchantment going on there or if he may have cut a lock of her hair and like sewed it inside, like something like that. But there is some form <laughs> yeah. of her consciousness within the doll of the dream. And it's it's almost kind of a happy ending because it's like a piece of Maria survives without the horrible guilt. Yes. I, I actually yeah. think that's really beautiful. Yeah. She feels that uh, the heavy shackles have been lifted and that's just so metaphorical in so many ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked it until Richard ruined it for me. When did I ruin it? Because you were like, okay, yeah, the heavy shackles are lifted, but then the doll acts the same exact way as she did before. Because she's still herself. He's still, she's still a caricature of Maria. Yeah. And also, it's like, it's she's got, like, it, that's the end of the game. Well, like, I she was... Might, she might behave differently later on. Miyazaki was like, let me just take this to the bank, I'm done. <laughs> well, now, after you said that, Richie, like, after you ruined my life again, <laughs> I was yeah. hoping, like, that, you know, the doll would be like, oh, the shackles are lifted, I'm getting out of here. And she packs her back, she's like, bye, German, bye, MP, I'm out. And, like, goes on to do her own thing. W- where would she go? It's an island floating in, in a void. She would just, like, use the mirror and go to the Mikolash castle, because it's empty oh, now. Oh, God, no. So no, I would not leave the dream to go to the Mikolash castle. But it's okay, she'll redecorate, and the Murgo um, attendants will be happy to see her, because they'll be like, they oh, probably would be, yeah. you're a Sumerian, yeah. cool, yeah, we serve you now. Exactly, and she's like, don't mess with me, because look at those winter lanterns out there, you know what they look like? They look like me. <laughs> <laughs> So then, like, the doll will have her own place, and it's going to be cool. Do you know about the cut doll humming? Yes! she. It's a Bayou yeah. Bayushki Bayou. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, snap! Did, didn't... I was didn't, hoping you the one that told that. me that? That's brand new! Somebody discovered it after three years, and it's not cut content. It's in the game. Is oh, it? She hums Bayou Bayushki Bayou. Yeah, mm-hmm. she hums it's that. It's a very somber version of it. Just a very somber version of it. It is, and it it ties in with the the winter lanterns. They hum. Yes, they try to hum it, but they fail. There's some monster <laughs> yeah. humming. No, but I think that's I think that's deliberate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody. Oh, I wish I could give them credit. So maybe let's find out who it is and give them credit. But they yeah. did yeah. a YouTube video of. They found the doll humming, and you know how sometimes you'll go close to the doll when she's sleeping, and it'll have that little black bar as if there's going to be dialogue, but there is none? That happened, but she started humming Bayou Bayushke Bayou. And we can explain what that is, being a lullaby, which is kind of a warning lullaby, as if to say, if you sleep on the edge of the bed, gray wolves will take you at night. But it's kind of like, you know, Rockabye Baby, where it's kind of like a cautionary tale. But it, and a lot of people find it very comforting because it's a lullaby. So it's like her, she's in the stream humming lullabies in her sleep. Mm-hmm. So does it mean that the Thumerians are Slavs confirmed? Confirmed. Yes. <laughs> it's weird, though, because Annalise is British. So maybe that just ties into the fact that Maria is like distantly related from another country. Yeah. There's a completely like. There's an alternate take of Annalise's lines by Iveta Mratislova. So, oh, snap! It, like, they were, like, at some point she was going to, they were toying with her having the same voice, but they didn't go with it. So I think 
I think I found the video. And it's by Aurora Unity on YouTube. So I'm going to just copy and paste the link into the Discord chat. Thank you. You're awesome. Welcome. And thank you, Aurora. Yes, I just definitely wanted to give credit for where it's due. And she sings it a little bit playfully. Yeah. Which I think is super cute. Yeah. Do you think she sings it to the hunter when they become the squid? And she like picks <gasps> them up? Maybe. Or Garman while he sleeps. Maybe she sings it to the messengers. <gasps> That'd be so cute. She probably does, yeah. Because, I mean, the doll was such a mystery to me while playing, and I thought until the bitter end that she had some sort of maniacal plans for you. But then it was the moment where I her- came upon her praying and saying, like, protect yeah. the hunter, ensure that she is safe, etc. I was like, mm-hmm. wait a second, this doll is actually some completely pure, which is a surprise because every other yeah. character in Bloodborne yeah. is not. But just hearing her being purely good and just thinking about our safety and our eventual freedom from the dream just made me think about how purely good this character is. And that's why I think that that's um, a part of Maria is this is this kind person. I think that she's also very yeah. fearsome. It's just like how a mama bear would commit any violence to protect those who she loves. Just like how she was the same, she would fight to the death to protect the fishing hamlet and in fact may have committed some atrocities there, but then felt absolutely horrific about it because she is, in essence, a good person, kind of, who did bad things. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, one thing I always was curious about is, how did the doll come to life? Like, how did she come to embody Maria? I have a, a theory with that. Um, I think that, in in essence... Garman appealed to the the umbilical cord to create the hunter's dream. I think that he did that in tandem with Lawrence and company, as said in the lecture hall yeah. note. So all of them were there, but yeah. I feel like Garman took it for the team in a way and said, I and agreed with Lawrence as um as is confirmed by the cut content that he would enter this dream. Uh, but eventually yeah. things went wrong. He wanted to leave eventually, but obviously Lawrence never came back for him. But he, I think that he was the, the old hunter who had not much to lose anymore. He already lost the thing he loved the most. So I think that he yeah. was the one, they, or they had him appeal specifically to the moon presence to create this dream for him. This is his consciousness and his memory. So the fact is that he had this doll who is inanimate in real life. But his consciousness and his vision of what he thought Maria was in his, you know, maniacal head came to life within the dream. And that's when he had the realization that this isn't Maria. This is something else. But how long do you think he's been in the dream with the doll? Like, how many years has it been? A long time. So I'm thinking, what if at first, like, he was so happy and it was like the honeymoon period. But if he's been in the dream for like 40 years <laughs> with the same person, I mean, 40 years of marriage takes a toll. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe this is just the normal progression of a healthy relationship where you just like ignore each other after a few hundred years, you know? <laughs> she snores and sings Slavic melodies in their sleep. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except there's nowhere to go. So they divided the dream. He's like, you stay on your side. I stay on my, my side. We're good. I'm going to be in the gardens over here. You watch over the hunters. I don't care what you do. It's all good. We have an agreement here. And she's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> 
Oh, another interesting thing. You know how um, when you first encounter German, and I think we all had that moment when he's like, oh, yeah, you can use whatever you like, even the doll, should it please you. And you're like, oh. Um. Really, that didn't sink into me until the second time I played it. I think the first time I was so freaked out by the initial cutscene that I didn't pay attention. But then the second time I was like, wait a second. <laughs> what? what do you mean by yes. this? <laughs> yeah. So what do you think he means by that? Uh, I think, I think it's more like, I think we think that it's one thing, but I think that in essence, what it is, is that he d- just wants nothing to do with her at this point. He's like, you can use even mm. that thing. Yeah. Should it please you. And also the the way that like, she's this weird arcane thing yeah. that may, it reminds me of like when we were talking about demon souls, that the game makes you go through like three different yes no confirmation prompts before you can level up mm-hmm. as just a way of underlining like what you're doing is not natural like this is not a normal thing you are like tap- tapping into something you maybe shouldn't so i and like again i think this is something that we forget if we've played it enough but what he's going to do is um because the doll appearing is based on insight likely the first time you go there and he says like you can use the doll the doll won't do anything Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll just sit there, and you won't actually be able to use the doll until after, probably, like, you've encountered the cleric piece. Yeah. Uh, or either that or popped a man's, madman's knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. But I suspect, like, most people who played it the first time didn't do that. They didn't get her until after the cleric That was So probably, like, yeah, probably, like, uh, maybe, like, an hour or so into the game. Which, for me, was after a week being into told, the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, like... <laughs> Likely you're going to be told, like, hey, you can use the doll if you want, and then not know what the doll does. And then suddenly she's alive. Yeah. She has no insight. Yeah. You yeah. guys, I just figured it out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. First of all, because I feel like I just kind of had this, like, I guess, you know, when you have this sort of image flash into your head, like, what if me and my boyfriend, like, he was German and I was the doll and we were in charge of the dream? Well, <laughs> like you would be the you'd be more like German though and like you'd have him like be the doll <laughs> this is what I see in my head well may, probably very yeah powerful. but the thing is <laughs> well I think that would be yeah that would be number one number two is like let's say a new hunter comes in I'd be like oh love love pretend to be dead okay until he gets on your inside just don't move okay and then the hunter comes to see me I'm like oh hey hunter you can use the doll if that pleases you <laughs> and then after the hunter is gone I do like lol I trolled another one he was so freaked out certified canon because we don't know how they interact when we're not there so maybe they just keep it super professional yeah. you know I, I think like I think the implication is she wheels him around in the chair but you never see it happen mm. yeah because she does that yeah. in the second on, yeah. ending where you get um yeah, yeah. By yeah the she presence. wheels you yeah, yeah, you get your leg cut off, yeah. So I think what happens is when we're not there, they're like super chill and they're fun and they troll the hunters a little bit. She pretends to be like unalive when you have no insight. He just tells you creepy things. And he has that book there, How to Pick Up Fair Maidens, but he doesn't really read it. It's just there to freak you out a little bit. <laughs> Maria wrote it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then once we're gone, they're like, oh, phew, the hunter's gone, finally. So they put on their regular clothes, they, like, play some dandy, just chill they out. They put on their PJ <laughs> pants. 
Yeah, and then oh crap, the hunters gonna be back quickly, quickly. So they like stuff their clothes somewhere. <laughs> they can make exactly. up on faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then one time they got a little confused, so the doll sat in the wheelchair, and German had her clothes on, and they had to like pretend like this is normal. <laughs> you just like forgot that ever. Like, let's forget this ever happened. Sometimes we play dress up. <laughs> hey, Sin, Sin, you know how you like predicting things? Yes. You predict them by ex- there is like art of the doll in the wheelchair. Is no, no, they're serious. Yeah, it's like really, really brief in one of the trailers. You can see concept <gasps> art of You're the doll right. in the wheelchair. It's on the wall. Yes. in one of the trailers. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! So what I say actually makes sense. We now know what that picture yeah. means. They're in their casual time. She's like, "This is this is the gaming chair. It's very comfortable." <laughs> I Garman endorse oh. this chair. Now pay me two hundred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that in the art book? Because I, I will whip that out so fast. I don't think... It's not in the art <laughs> oh, okay. book. okay. Because I was like, I feel like I yeah, it's just that. It's just in that one. Well, okay, in that trailer, there's that. And then there's another image of... This also isn't in the art book, but it's like a woman who looks like the doll, but she's dressed differently. And she's like standing in the hunter's dream. And we're not sure if like, is that... Is it the doll in a different clothing? Or is it like, was this Maria 0.5 at some point? Or... That's a good question. I wonder if yeah. Lance yeah. is going to data mine it. Well, like this is the thing because like there's a lot of data mining that's been done, and there's zero Maria stuff. Yeah, like yes, yeah, so, like she, it's pretty clear they made her for the DLC. Mm-hmm. But there's like other weird doll shit that's been dug up. So it's like the doll was like one of the first things they ever talked about in like press kits and stuff. So the central image of like. This weird, like, it doesn't have to have been a workshop, it could just have been a cottage. This, like, strange cottage in a dream where a doll tends to you was, like, the first kind of thing they made. True. But she's gone through, like, half a dozen different identities. It's like they're rough drafts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You guys, I'm going to push this podcast even further. Ooh. Okay. Do we ever see the doll and Maria in the same place at the same time? If you dress up as her and you're like, hi, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so maybe. Well, I mean, you can you can see the doll and Maria's bone in the same place at the True. same time. No, no, no. We're talking about people, Richie. <laughs> so what if Maria is just a doll, but she like dresses differently and then goes to the clock tower and it's all part of their like troll plan to mess you up? I feel like her movement's too fluid to be a doll. Yeah, and she can bleed. Yeah. Richie, why yeah. are you going to rain on my parade? Michaela, do you see what I have to deal with? I'm presenting brilliant theories here. <laughs> and Rich is just like shut down. Certified canon. We'll find him in the cut content. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for, like to see if you if you like move past being a research assistant to being an actual researcher. <laughs> and then you start having these arguments with other people. I, I can see that happening and she will eventually own her own research hall and it will be glorious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you'll 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 show something and they'll be like, but all of this was like overturned decades ago. You're like, but stop testing me. <laughs> yeah, this is the truth now. It's my science. <laughs> See what I have to deal with. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> These squids are humans. <laughs> yeah. Sin, so, please stop bringing random squids into the lab. No, <laughs> can tear the squid from my cold dead hands. Here, Corvo, have lunch. 
<laughs> Did you know that Richie actually has squid pets? No, they have slug pets. Not yeah, same pets. thing. Oh, do you? That's kind of cute. Yeah, I I have my window open pretty much all the time, and slugs kept coming in through the window, and I I didn't want to like put them out again because I thought you'll get eaten by a bird. I made a little slug tank. That's adorable. With some little little grass and things in it. I just put them in there. Yeah, I never thought they were. I grew up in Massachusetts, and I saw a lot of snails and slugs, and I just thought they were grotesque and awful. But then I moved yeah. across country to a, like a much warmer climate, so the the snails are huge here. And I look at them, and I'm like, oh, they're kind of cute, aren't they? So little baby me was yeah. like, kill them, and then adult me is like, oh, <laughs> I take pity on you. Small thing. Fun fact: all of the slugs of the world are actually ascended humans. I can see that. I can't believe that there are that many ascended humans. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there's no intelligent life form left, because they all ascended into slugs. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. That would mean that there are so many intelligent people out there. <laughs> That's true, but I have that many to begin with. <laughs> God, I hope I become a slug one day. <laughs> It's funny, when I started playing Bloodborne, I was I, I heard about the endings and I was like, no, you are not getting me to transform into one of those weird, squiddy things. Nope, nope, nope. And at the end, I was like, turn me into a slug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how times change, people. Yeah. Okay. I think, did, did we cover everything? I think so. I'm going yeah, through I'm, my I'm, yeah. notes real quick and we covered everything and more from what I wrote. Wow. Yeah. And we only had like four tangents. And it's not even two hours. This was like the best thing ever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, it's like Michaela kept us on track. Maybe because I think about that all the time and I have no one to talk to about it. I've only had a couple of people. <laughs> but like, I just feel like I need to share all the things. Okay, Richie, do the outro. That was episode <laughs> of. <laughs> Of the Snack Covenant, we talked about Maria and the Doll with Michaela. Yay! Hi! Yay! So, Michaela, where can people find you on social media? Which we will also link in the comments. Okay, so I have a bunch of URLs. None of them are consistent. So I'm gonna just <laughs> plop them up for you guys. I'll put YouTube first because I'm just I'm trying very hard to grow my channel. Um, it's youtube.com slash Michaela, which is M like Mary, I C H E like Edward, L A like Apple, M I C H E L A. Um, Instagram uh, is Michaela D E E London. And my Twitter is Michaela, just the letter D, London. Hmm. That should be in text because I have a long name that's hard to pronounce. I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> Awesome. Is your long name Maria? That's my short name. <laughs> now I wish my, my sister is uh, sort of named after Maria. It's Marissa. So it's like little Marissa. Yeah, little Maria. Oh. Yeah. So that's Marissa, even though she's older than me. <laughs> but now I envision that like uh, chibi version of Maria walking around your house being like, hi. Yeah, she, she was super cute. Super cute. And I was always like, she's so pretty, like little tiny. She'd be like, loops me. I looked like the loops cat with really curly hair. I'm like, loops brother. And I'm like, oh, she's so pretty. 
Okay, so everyone, check that out. Sub, like, whatever it is you kids do these days. And thank you in advance if, if you guys want to do that. I have some more videos and I'm coming out with uh, some makeup tutorials just for Halloween as a special. Maria is included. Yay! Yeah, that'd be good, yeah. She's two videos, so yeah. And they're done, so they're, they're coming. They're guaranteed. <laughs> unlike Richard's videos. Yeah. Or unlike my own videos. I'm just like, okay, I'm hoping to do this, but I'm not going to announce it <laughs> yeah. because I feel like once I announce it, it won't happen. It'll fall through and I'll cry. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm like, I'm done with three of the five that I've went, so I'm hoping to follow through with the other two. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Can't wait. Yay. Thank you guys for having me. This has been so much fun, and I really do appreciate yeah. your podcast. Oh. They've kept me company, like through so many weird crafting <laughs> and sewing times, and just made me laugh. So I like it a lot. Okay. Well, if you're up for it, we could do another one one day. Ooh, that'd be fun. We could. Yeah, just let me know, and I'll okay. hopefully yeah. be there as long as I'm not like doing a million and a half in half in a quarter things. No, 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 no. Michaela, podcast comes first. <gasps> this means she's getting used to you. 